Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Life is full of what ifs. Some awesome, like what if AI could fold your laundry? And some, well, less awesome, like what if you have unexpected medical costs? United Healthcare can help get you covered with Health Protector Guard fixed indemnity insurance plans. They supplement your primary plan to help you manage out-of-pocket costs. No deductibles, no enrollment periods, and especially no more what-ifs. Visit uh1.com to find the Health Protector Guard plan for you. Many of us have those stubborn pounds that seem impossible to lose, no matter how good we eat or how hard we work out. My solution is Plush Care. Plush Care is a leading telehealth provider with doctors who are there for you day and night to partner with you in your weight loss journey. They can prescribe FDA-approved weight loss medications like Wagovi and Zepbound for those who qualify. Plus, they accept most insurance plans. To get started, visit plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Welcome back to the Pre-Med Podcast. Thanks for joining me for part two of my conversation with Tom Borum, NQP and Medical Support Officer. In the second part of this episode, we discussed the NHS strike action planned for tomorrow, as well as some of Tom's experiences as a paramedic, uh, experiences with stress, mental ill health in the ambulance service, and coping strategies for that. You'll be thrilled to know that I don't really have any more pre-med advertising to do since I did it all in the last episode a couple of days ago. But if you're interested in more educational content, uh, please do check out our website, www.prem-ed.com. And of course, we've got quite a back catalogue of episodes. Um, so if you're listening, if you're a new listener to the podcast and you enjoy this episode, please do check out um, some of our older episodes. And thanks for joining us. Right, without further ado, let's continue my chat with Tom. Um, so, strike action. Yeah. What are you saying? Uh, yeah, it's hard, isn't it? Yeah, I voted. <laughs> I voted to strike. Yeah. Yeah. Are you gonna? Are you supposed to be working on the? When is it? The twenty first. Twenty first. Um. Well, my union didn't get enough. How is it? They're rebalancing. Oh, interesting. But um, it wasn't an easy decision. No. Like, I think a lot of people are saying it was really easy, but for me, it wasn't an easy. Decision. Why not? I mean, there is a moral component to it, isn't there? Because you think that what, could be the day my dad's that? sick. Or yeah. Something like that. What is that? Because they're—I mean, I agree. But what is it about? Because the the proposal is that they'll uh, will still, as a service, will still be responding to um, high, like we're still trying to reach patients we need to reach, basically. Yeah. So, what is it about that's morally difficult? Well, it's still leaving people who some some of the calls that we get, people do actually genuinely need help sometimes. Yeah, and. Um, I mean, for me, I think the triage system is awful. Yeah, I mean, just, I am campaigning a bit for the pay, but I just want to, we need to review the system. Yeah. I was called a couple of days ago, I went to a nursing home, called by a nurse, 
because someone's peg machine had broken. The patient was fine. Yeah. But the actual machine that she was peg fed with, they've lost they lost the parts. So she yeah. called an ambulance on an eighteen minute response. Yeah. And when we've worked out the patient was fine, you know, just just call from a nurse. Yeah. In an asthma. What are we doing there? Yeah, yeah. And I think that, and that's, that's the thing, isn't it? Because that, like, that can get a high-ish priority response. And, yeah. um, and, you know, the so C1 calls, a lot of the, because it's unconscious noisy breathing as a pathway, um, we see loads of patients with who are, like, intoxicated, but otherwise all right, or yeah. they've had a seizure, yeah. and they're now awake and talking. Yeah. Um, and because of the way the system works, you know, if, if they're, post ictal when the call starts and they go C1 then they've got to ask all these questions to get them out of the C1 thing so by the time you get there you're, you're basically responding to someone that's conscious and yeah. talking meanwhile like you say there's a lot of the lower category C3, C4 calls are patients often elderly cold yeah. lying on the floor for long yeah. periods of time yeah. like muscle damage and all that kind of stuff and it's I, I agree I think it's an ethically complex one because um I mean, ultimately, that's part of the reason that people strike, isn't it, to address that? Yeah, I think, um, and I guess one day of one day of because I, I think the issue is that I mean, I don't know the plans, but most ambulance services would probably say we still go to see ones and twos, yeah, and the C threes and fours will be longer delayed, and then ultimately you're delaying those jobs even more. Yeah, but I guess it's one day to try and save it happening continuously. Yeah, I think if you ask a lot of the guys, I think. It's not. No one would ever say it's just about the money. No, that's right. They, they do need to um, rethink the whole process. And um, yeah, and we. I think you just need to highlight to the people sometimes that they might not need an ambulance. Yeah. On a on a strike day when we're not at work, maybe they'll put themselves in a taxi and get to the hospital. Yeah. And I think that I mean there is a big bit about the money. Yeah, because people don't like to say that, but ultimately, like what we are doing mm. is a job, and uh, like bills are going up constantly. I mean, yeah. obviously, no, we're in a cost of living crisis, and um, but I just find that like, recently everyone's put their prices up. Yeah, so, like, college of paramedics have increased their prices. Like most of our, like my energy supplies have increased yeah. their prices. Like everyone's increased their costs by about ten percent. Yeah, and then that's like real time inflation. Yeah, it's happened really quickly after COVID. And there's no reflection of that in pay. No. And and I think, like, I don't know, like, a band five paramedic or band five, amb- band five anyone, actually, is not particularly good pay compared to other, you know, like, you've got a degree. Yeah. Compared to other jobs that you could be doing. And there is this, like, uh, view that, oh, God, the paramedics, aren't they so lovely and selfless? And NHS heroes with the rainbow banners and thank you, NHS, saved our bacon during COVID. Yeah, but, that didn't last that long though. No, but then there's a few months of clapping. Yeah, and then, but what people need to remember is that we are trained professionals, and yeah, like we are trained to provide care, and we are just genuinely nice people. But at the end of the day, we're still professionals. Yeah, and we're here to do a job, and we're here to be professional. And we're here to yeah, do, and I do my job well because I want to be paid. And yeah, I am a nice bloke, but I'm not doing it because I'm selfless. Yeah, like, I wouldn't be here if I wasn't paid. No, exactly. And because and even if you wanted to. Yeah. You can't do that because yeah. so it's a job. Like, appreciate like, the NHS hero stuff, but at the end of the day, we're NHS professional here, yeah. aren't we? I think that's a problem. It's a big thing with um, like meds, medicine, like, you know, the doctors are voting to strike and stuff as well. Yeah. Uh, because junior 
doctor, in fact, the consultant stuff is bad as well, as far as I understand, but the junior doctor stuff is bad, isn't it? And a lot of the stuff with junior doctors is because there's so much emphasis on expecting people to go above and beyond because you're a doctor and you're saving lives. You're like, you know, I can't, I shouldn't, firstly, you shouldn't have to go above and beyond because a lot of people, some people, you know, some people are really passionate and that's their life's calling, which is fine. But I think the majority of the healthcare workforce, um, rightfully so, it's like a job that they enjoy doing. Yeah. And like you say, you're motivated and passionate to do it. But like I've got family and a house and I want to go to work, do my job well, and then yeah. at the end of the shift, go home and not talk to anyone about work or do any work stuff. Yeah. And that's I think that's the issue with medicine or what's happening with junior doctors. They can't, you know, end of the shift, they're like, oh yeah, but you're still looking after a patient or the night cover's not come in. So we're going to need you to kind of hang on and stuff. You know, that is yeah. a completely inappropriate way it's, that's not professional. No, exactly. And that's not safe. But that's ultimately what our healthcare system yeah, lies. And yeah. I think, you know, compared to that, we're quite lucky that um, generally in ambulance services, you get paid for being laid off yeah. and like enforced yeah. overtime for an overrun and all that kind of stuff. And, um, you know, if you book annual leave, it's booked. Yeah. Whereas, um, you know, in some parts of the NHS, you're like, you have your leave cancelled if the cover's poor and stuff. Yeah. And it's just, um, so yeah, I think, I mean, I'm not in a union, but, I am pro striking. Yeah. So you haven't, you haven't voted then? No. no. Yeah. I was in a union, but I am pro striking and anti union. <laughs> 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 I'm not. I, I mean, think some they, of the unions seem pretty militant, don't they? Really well, I just think, and... like, they, I mean, yeah. I mean, it, we've, I've had a mixed bag of experience with unions. And, like, you know, you need to be in a union for this kind of strike action, but it doesn't come around very often. And I find. On balance, um, like when I've had like personal issues with the ambulance service, they've been completely useless, and um, I've had colleagues with the same stories. And in fact, I found when a union person turns up and doesn't really know your case or how to support you, um, my reflection has been, I should have just read the policy myself, which is pretty much what I do now. So it <laughs> may or may not be right. But then I was looking at the um, the guidelines on striking. You can. So I've got more of a right to strike than you have now because if you're in a union that hasn't met the threshold for striking, you can't. Is that the case? Yeah, yeah. yeah. Whereas if you're independent, not in a union, you want to strike, you can. Yeah. So I think we frustratingly got 48%. What's the cut of 50? 50, yeah. <laughs> something like that. Something, something stupid and it's very frustrating. But It's quite surprising actually as well. Yeah. Because I would, yeah. I mean, I, I, I'm not speaking to many people about it, but I wouldn't, I can't think of many people. I wouldn't expect many people to be against no. striking. I think there was a poor turnout of voters. I think people just naturally right, assumed yeah. that they'd be, we'd be doing it. But um, Yeah, I guess I'm part of that. I didn't vote. <laughs> Did I vote? Do you have to be in a union to vote? Yeah. I didn't vote in. Comes through the post. Oh, there you go. I also, I was just, any post I throw in the fire because it's 2022. Fucking <laughs> oh, hell, email. email. Jesus. Fair enough, yeah. I mean, so you're supposed to be working for strikes? Uh, I think I'm actually on annual leave. <laughs> Interesting. <laughs> yeah. Are you going to be picketing? Actually use your I might be, yeah. Um, no, I, if, I mean, I was. I always thought that hopefully the threat's enough. Yeah. The threat of a strike. We haven't really given them enough time to react, have we? But I think how, I always hoped that the threat would be enough. Yeah. Not really up for this confrontation, but yeah, I don't know. I don't know. It's going to come around. You're quick, up for it. it. I'm up for it. I'm actually. I'm on a training week, so I've got to cover <laughs> the strikes. We're being redeployed to cover the strikes. Yeah. 
There was a. Um, so I expected to go into work on a bus and have stuff thrown at me like <laughs> Billy Elliot. Um, feel bad for the A and E nurses. Obviously, we work quite closely with them, but they're not striking. No, I think the RCN didn't reach. Was it A and E's RCN specifically? Yeah. I don't know. But yeah, I was chatting to someone recently, and they said they haven't reached the threshold of striking. Although I think actually the RCN vote was like 95, 94% or something. Yeah. I don't quite remember. So it must be in like an RCN thing or something. So what's staying open at emergency? And... I literally haven't got a clue. Yeah. I mean, presumably based on experience from last time around when I was just qualified, I might be a student. It's basically, they uh, for us, we responded only to the high priority calls. Yeah. Which would now be C1C2s. And um, I can't remember what emergency services did. Yeah. I, I mean, A&E will be open the whole time, won't it? But I don't know about other services. I mean, a, if, if other community services aren't open or are reduced hours or whatever, yeah. A&E is going to be fucked. Yeah. <laughs> Isn't it? Yeah. I mean, it's, yeah. it's nuts now. Yeah. It is, it's already, I mean, it's not even that cold yet. Well, pretty cold, actually, but... Yeah, but I mean, it, I mean it's winter's some just started. It's snowing it? yesterday, wasn't it? And we're not even in, like I say, not even in January, February. Winter pressures are real, aren't they? And yeah. Well, we must be on the like twelfth wave of COVID at the moment. Yeah, something like that. I'm pretty sure. Do you reckon the lateral flow tests work anymore? Don't know. I've not used one. Yeah. You... <laughs> I've had so many people recently, <laughs> myself included. I went off sick recently because I was I felt rough with every possible sense of COVID. Yeah. And the lateral flow test weren't working. I was like, I must have it. And I've, there's a few people with a similar thing. Side note. Um, yeah. Yeah. And I mean, oh, what I haven't asked you about is like working ops. Cause I, so I've done overtime shift recently and um, it's just like surreal. So I started doing this CCP job about uh, th- three years ago now, three or four years ago. Yeah. And I like when I go back into overtime on the road, I don't do it that often, but it just seems like completely different to what it was when I left it. In what way? Just the nature of the work. Yeah. So I, so I um, I feel and there's something about uh, I think as a specialist and experienced paramedic, I'm more confident with discharging stuff. Yeah. It's probably an element of it, but like when I left operational work. I just felt like we we're conveying abdo pains to hospital, like chest pains and stuff, mm-hmm. and doing a bit of emergency work. And it felt that's what I felt like paramedic king was. Yeah. The shift I did the other day, I went to one patient who had a seizure, didn't have a seizure meds. So I went to the pharmacist for her to try and find them. And then and then the next patient was like, uh, she'd been having neurological symptoms for a year. And uh, a community team had recommended she call an ambulance uh, for an emergency CT scan in case it was a acute neurological thing. And I was like, well, it's not, <laughs> by, yeah. by definition, it's not acute. So then we like, referred back to the GP and like community services. And it's just like, uh, what I felt like was um, none of the work I did was remotely medical. Mm. It was all, like we discussed before, it was all just like, kind of complex social care and helping people navigate the complexity of like yeah. what service you call but I didn't like I, I didn't open a single bag or do anything like I didn't yeah. I, you know we did a blood pressure occasionally because you're supposed to yeah but you know we didn't have to do any obs on anyone or d- yeah. didn't like definitely didn't can any anyone didn't get any drugs yeah I think the most we did is recommend someone take their own paracetamol yeah and like that's 
hardly different to what how I left it. Yeah, people is that day to day. Yeah, that is exactly how I find it on the road. <coughs> um, people do not. It's it's. I don't. I think people can be cynical and say, "Oh, these patients just don't know what to do," but often they ring one 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 with knowing not they're not called an ambulance. Yeah, they're called one one one, and then one 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 triage just send an ambulance and a blue light run. Yeah, yeah, and then and that, I mean that's the thing about the patients I saw is like none of yeah. them are. Um, malicious, no, no. like trying to get to A and E. No, but you kind of so like the 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 person I went to with the neurological symptoms, they had just been recommended to go to hospital, but she had um like they're all psychosomatic. All her diagnoses were psychosomatic rather yeah. than physical problems, and uh she was like really frank about it. it like she her symptoms were exacerbated by being stressed and like emotionally upset and stuff. And yeah. I was like. Uh, if you go to hospital and sit on a hard plastic chair and you've, you're incontinent and can't feel your limbs and stuff, now that's not going to be that's not going to be a stressless experience for you. No. And also, you probably won't get a scan. No. And, and so, and they, you know, that person was like, "Well, you, I don't want to do that," <laughs> but but they've just been told, "I'll oh, call an ambulance because you need to." And, and like you say, it's trying to navigate that systems. Yeah, and <laughs> I mean, we're the one service that can't really say no. Like, yeah, can I've, we not? Well, we, I don't think we, on we don't do it enough, do we? I don't know. It's, no, I mean, no, we don't. And and other services, when they when they feel like there's a bit of a risk, they'll just send the ambulance. Yeah, yeah. Like, Which is a bit, and that is an issue in itself, isn't it? Because if you have like a GP, yeah. who, I mean, and again, not to um, not to like try and be insulting to GPs or whatever, but. You know, if they're really busy and someone calls a chest pain, obviously you'd be like, just call an ambulance. Yeah. But it's difficult for us to go out and uh, like disagree with a GP's decision. Yeah. Uh, like medical legally, that puts you in a complex place. Yeah. It? Well, like look at that nurse who ended up calling us for a broken peg machine. Yeah. Like, that is a that is a social issue. Yeah. Like, it's solved by ringing the company that makes the peg machine. Yeah. Um, but she's called an ambulance and. Our control just don't have the time or the like. Um, the system isn't there to do. Yeah, that. it's just not. They're not. They haven't just. They can't just say no. This. So yeah. We've got to turn up, avoiding the other lower grade calls. So what do you do about that? What did you do? Well, I actually looked on Amazon Prime for a replacement part. <laughs> I didn't have it, um, so I ended up calling the district nurses who told the nurse. They were very disappointed in her and gave her a number. I had to call because I think that's the thing, isn't it? I, I think as well, a lot of um, ambulance people uh, often like build a rod for own back. Yeah, uh, and you can, like you say, people you want to help. So, like some people go to that job, and you, you know, you know, sometimes you go to an older, lonely person, you make them a cup of tea and stuff, and all of that is completely appropriate. Yeah, you're like, if you get called out, if if like if you get called out to that job, you mentioned like the peg thing. Yeah. And then you solve that problem for them. Like you're like positively reinforcing yeah. that behavior. Yeah. And I feel like we have a responsibility to say that, but this is not appropriate. And like educate people. Yeah. But this is not an appropriate ambulance thing. Like no. I shouldn't, I shouldn't be turning up with a degree and blue lights to like Google something yeah. for you. Yeah. And how much equipment have we got in the back of the ambulance that I haven't touched in years? Yeah. It's normally walking with an iPad and the OBS kit. Yeah, exactly. Uh, which I don't normally open, but, um, I mean, part of being an NQP is that you have to talk to someone. And so yeah. when you're in, when you're put in those places where I, you know you don't need to be there, yeah, you still need to talk to someone and justify it. And sometimes 
it'll hold you to account with a policy and then yeah and then that way but yeah um it did not help that during that job the england france match was on oh yeah in the patient's room did we do well <laughs> i did watch it but we I did not <laughs> no, i remember i was on the phone to district nurses harry kane scored the first penalty yeah nice yeah so that's emotional roller coaster. yeah it was really really stressful couple of hours there's never been a faster or easier way to start your weight loss journey than with plush care plush care accepts most insurance plans and gives you online access to board certified physicians who can prescribe fda approved weight loss medications like wigovi and ZepBound for those who qualify take charge of your health and speak with a board certified physician about a weight loss plan that's right for you Get started today at plushcare.com slash weight loss. That's plushcare.com slash weight loss. Plushcare.com slash weight loss. Ever catch yourself eating the same flavorless dinner three days in a row? Dreaming of something better? Well, HelloFresh is your guilt-free dream come true, baby. It's me, Kiki Palmer. Let's wake up those taste buds with hot, juicy pecan-crusted chicken or garlic butter shrimp scampi. Mm. Hello Fresh. Stop dreaming of all the delicious possibilities and dig in at HelloFresh.com. Let's get this dinner party started. Yeah, fair. And so how, like, um, operationally, so how, how much of your work do you reckon is made up of those kind of social, complex bit of medicine, but generally social jobs percentage? I mean, like 75 do you reckon? So, yeah. and how often do you deal with the kind of critical sick patients that you thought you'd deal with when you applied for the job? Five. Yeah. Maybe even less than that. So like 20% actual emergency. Yeah, actual. And so how does it feel? Like when you go to work, I kind of, I don't know, I used to, when I was really new, I'd be nervous going to work because you never know if that yeah. job might turn up. And then I found after a while, you just think, oh, it won't turn up. And then when it does, you feel yeah. woefully unprepared. And now I kind of feel, like now that I know that I will generally go to those jobs, I actually feel a bit more comfortable there. Because yeah. like, those jobs can be stressful, but I think it's like not knowing when you're going to go to them that yeah. it's stressful. At least I know like if my radio goes off, it's, it's probably going to be a cardiac arrest or something. Yeah. But So I'm constantly prepared for that. But how does it feel if you're like day in, day out, dealing with these um, urgent emergency care kind of things. Yeah. How prepared do you feel when that cardiac arrest comes in? It's difficult, isn't it? Because when you're an NQP, yeah, I think, I'm not ashamed to say that when I first qualified, I was terrified of my own shadow going out into the road. Yeah. yeah I, was, I think it's probably a healthy way to be. Yeah, it was, um, in every job I was thinking, oh my God, they're having, they've got a headache, they must be having a subarach. Yeah. Like, stuff like that. And, um, and you do kind of, yeah, there is. A, you definitely de skill a lot. And, yeah. Um, and then when you do get to these good jobs, I think the these big jobs, you do get that adrenaline rush. Yeah. Way more than if you were used to it, because. Yeah, yeah. I'll often take three or four minutes to settle into the job, a uh, big job. Yeah. Then, yeah. I'll, then I'm probably alright, but um, there is. You, you're not used to it, and people think you are, but you're not. Yeah. And like my big thing is, I'm always terrified. Of obstetrics yeah and yeah, yeah, everyone else Me, yeah i don't know what it is about paramedics and obstetrics but it's just terrifying but yeah and every time you, like how I've, I've been probably sent to about 12 obstetric emergency jobs and only two of them 
we're actually the baby coming out. Yeah, yeah. And but you still, your hands are your hands are shaking on the wheel on the way. Yeah, yeah. You know, but when you get it, it's all right. So maybe now you become I've become a bit like cynical when I, when they see one category one jobs come in. I'm yeah. like, no, it's not. No, it's yeah. not really though, is it? Which I think is common. Yeah, most people like that. Yeah, and then maybe has they ever caught you out? Yeah, hundred <laughs> percent. Um, when I when I wasn't qualified actually, I was a ECSW, but I was definitely a bit more cynical. Then. I was going through one of my cynical phases, yeah. and um, we got sent to a cardiac arrest. The only note that came on the CAD was "house has blown up." Yeah, I thought no, it hasn't. <laughs> no, no, it hasn't. Of course, it hasn't. Um, had the, it? Yeah, turned the corner was a house before. Yeah, interesting. Yeah. I mean, it's oh yeah, it's an interesting one, isn't it? I, th- I think um, I mean it's happened to everyone. Yeah. Um, where you're like, I've gone into houses with just like the obs kit, and they're in cardiac arrest, and you're like, yeah, fuck. Yeah. <laughs> um, but and it's kind of I don't know. People, you can get a bollocking for it from management. <laughs> Um, but I think it's just like natural human behaviour isn't it you're not going to lug a heavy bag into everything no um, and I also think what I find of my job now um, I tend to find like the more experience I get the more I just think about how I think more than what I should do but um, what I've reflected on recently is I um, am knackered if I go into work and don't do anything yeah. Whereas, like, if I go into work and I go to a few cardiac arrests or you know, like, some sick people and had to do some thinking, then I I tend to come home like quite refreshed and energetic. Yeah. And I I think um, the reason that happens is like for me, I know there's a relatively high risk I go to some jobs like that. So you kind of and even you know like I've got a bit of experience doing critical care now, but I still get like an adrenaline rush when I go to those jobs. Yeah. And I think the anticipation of it gives you a, a bit of a, like a base level of sympathetic drive yeah so you're a little bit adrenalized most of your shift and then if you don't um have some sort of exposure that allows you to put that adrenaline like you know direct that adrenaline somewhere and do something with it yeah then that is exhausting um and then you've got to kind of switch off from being a little bit adrenalized all day yeah whereas if you actually do something you um you know you, you can kind of direct that sympathetic drive to actually thinking and like doing some stuff then you're like the process has worked properly as your body expects it. And I think yeah. it's quite healthy as a result. And um, yeah, I think like that's how I feel now. And it was, it's, I think it's weird in operations. Like you can't, I don't think you can uh, maintain, like you can't, you can't um, consciously be like, I'm going to constantly be ready for a sick person. Yeah. If I know that statistically I'm not going to see one. Yeah. Because I don't think it's healthy. Like you come back knackered all the time yeah. and depressed. And I don't think it's a healthy way to do it. So this, uh, process that people go through where they um like what well, like you say um you kind of become a bit cynical you, yeah. you're not prepared for jobs it's like, yeah. I think that's like a self-preservation thing yeah and i think some people feel let down a lot of the time when they haven't done a critical care job and and i think that reflects on their on how they treat their lower acuity jobs yeah what do you think that is i think now, why do you think people are waiting for those critical care jobs? Because um, I was one of those people, obviously, that I went into that as a specialty, but... Yeah, people want to be the trauma monkey, don't they? Get yeah. stuck in and all the juicy jobs. And and I think maybe sometimes we 
you can get a bit frustrated on the road dealing with people that may not necessarily you feel need your help. Yeah. Um, and then when you go to someone who actually requires your help and and it critical care and emergency care is interesting. It is. Yeah. Like it's what we signed up for to help people in their worst moments. So you do want to go to that nasty traffic accident. You do want to go to that MI. Yeah. And you, because you can actually help someone. And and the results can, can be more physical when 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 you're not dealing with someone like that. Yeah, so I disagree with that. I think. Yeah, I think mm. I, I appreciate what you're saying. And if those jobs go well, then that is like a big buzz. Yeah. But you think like how many patients of the critically ill patients you've been to? How many of them have you really? Like how many times have you saved a life as a paramedic? Do you reckon? Couple of times, yeah. Uh, I mean, I, I feel the same because I kind of we know like out of hospital cardiac arrest, the survival chance of survival is like ten percent. Yeah. So you apply that to like if you go to cardiac arrest all the time, then immediately, uh, if you're working in a, like an average system, mm. then you're going to be hitting like one out of ten success stories. And I mean, that's you know the chance of you of like an individual resuscitating someone to the point they walk out of hospital Very low. is slim yeah and um and i kind of feel I, I think i've been through a bit of an emotional experience where i kind of i went into critical care with that exact thing like i was operational paramedic and i really wanted to be a critical care guy and then i, I went into critical care and then you you got like oh, i'll go into all these cardiac arrests and save loads of lives yeah and then i had like a big dip of depression after about six months where i was like oh, actually i'm going to loads of sick people just watching them die, yeah, and uh, that does not meet my what I had in my head as like six or my definition of success, yeah. And then mean. I kind of and and since like I've reflected on that, and then I my definition of success personally has changed. So, like, survival is not necessarily the only thing that I think is successful, but also you know, like closure for the family yeah. or like a dignified death or all that kind of stuff yeah but i also find it quite interesting doing you know like if i do an overtime shift i find that quite interesting because if you can solve problems for people yeah i think it's not as palpable the impact that you have but um i think you can have a much more significant imp- or not maybe not much more but you can have certainly a significant impact on people's yeah. lives it's just like very different to critical care. Yeah. Which you must agree with if you don't want to be a critical care person yeah. going to primary care. Well, any kind of impact is a good impact, isn't it? You could argue that. So, well, I don't know. <laughs> well, fixing... What about being kicked in the face? Well, that's for a bad impact, isn't it? But um, fixing a peg machine for an old 90-year-old lady, stop her going to hospital, yeah. catching COVID and coming back and yeah. affecting the nursing home with COVID. Yeah. Like, you could argue... Like you, that's quite a large impact. Yeah, but I'm hypothesizing that impact. But like, yeah, you, well, I think that's the thing, and I think yeah. you know, like you say, I think if people are new, then they, I, I personally think people like a portion, like probably inappropriately a portion, a load of potential success to like critically ill patients. Yeah, when actually, I mean, the chance aren't very good, and the ones that do do well normally Hems will come and take them. And yeah. They'll get their medals. Thanks to Hems and stuff, which is fine. Hems are good. Love Hems. Um, <laughs> but uh, I think that's the thing, isn't it? And I, I kind of, yeah, I think um, maybe that's a problem that comes from education. I think a lot of the education is about how to do a recess and stuff. Really. Yeah. And so you, you kind of end up attributing 
success to being good at resuscitation. Yeah. Or, yeah. Whereas I kind of, yeah, I don't know. I find it a lot more satisfying now going to those kind of um, urgent and emergency type jobs. And, yeah. you know, maybe not fixing a peg machine. But <laughs> if you go to someone with relatively complex medical needs, like that, that person I went to the other day with the neurological symptoms, it's like, it's quite enjoyable work yep. because you have to like use your brain a bit and speak to some different professionals and like yeah. work out a pathway and make some risk benefit decisions yeah. and like ultimately if if you establish someone's expectations of what they want from you which isn't necessarily always a and e yeah and then you can work out a way to fulfill those expectations yeah like like you say have a bit of an impact on someone's life i think it's um yeah there's definitely not specific for that yeah and there are enjoyable outcomes to every job every job yeah maybe leaving enjoyable outcome to some jobs but yeah it's it can be a very rewarding job yeah not that we don't want to get paid more but <laughs> if you're listening if you're listening out there um yeah but it can be a very rewarding job and um and i think a lot of people uh, i don't know a lot of people i've seen leave the trust have always come back some of them come yeah back. that's the thing isn't it yeah because I think it's, it's what you make of it as well. Yeah. Like there's, there's always going to be that people on the station that are like negative about everything and everything's a yeah. problem. And um, like there is, you know, there's good and bad with every job, but the, I think like the grass is always greener. And like you say, people yeah. leave and then they're like, actually, without the freedom, you know, there's something to be said for driving around an ambulance and not yeah. having someone breathe down your yeah. neck all the time. And seeing, it's like amazingly, uh, like the, the comparison of seeing one person at a time for as long yeah. as you want compared to like we said a nurse looking after 80 patients yeah. and, and trying to manage someone doing obs on 80 patients an hour yeah. or something it's yeah. just just ridiculous isn't it um so definitely pros and cons but i think it's i think it's what you make of it yeah it's definitely an out you need a good outlook to be yeah to leave it. and sometimes it is like last night i was shoveling the ambulance out of out of the road yeah out out of the snow and like you just you have to laugh about it or you cry maybe yeah sometimes maybe that's how we should approach going to these like not typical ambulance jobs yeah yeah and i think um so that's an interesting point actually to consider is that how do you i mean obviously you've got the um army stuff mm -hmm. and rugby or whatever you're doing in your spare time but how do you balance that because i think like people that and i was all in well like when i nearly qualified i was like ambulance geek and yeah i just think like now i'm, I'm not that person at all really um but i kind of think you had to balance that i think if you get too invested in work you know like this strike thing you know i'm i'm ethically for striking but i also don't care enough to yeah like spend like prioritize that over spending time with my family for instance yeah. like, I, like i'll go into work and do my job and if you know i think i mean ultimately like i am a specialist paramedic so i get paid a lot, lot better than most yeah. ambulance service so i think it's ethically appropriate for the majority of healthcare people but I'm not striking because I think I should earn more necessarily. Um, and I think there are some people that are so committed and passionate yeah. that it's like all consuming. And I feel like that's not great for mental health. No, so yeah. how do you, how do you manage your mental health? Yeah, well, it's burnout, isn't it? And yeah. I mean, like, yeah. You got to just recognize the symptoms of it in yourself. I've been there where I've been burnout. I've been chucking myself doing loads of overtime. Yeah. Because it's working overtime with my mates. And then, we all go to the pub after work and we all talk shop. Yeah, yeah. And then, like, and then actually you realise work chat can be quite boring. And it's like, yeah. 
um you realize that don't you when you, yeah. you know you, <laughs> you go to I always, I always find like you go for beer with like some mates from work and yeah. then you you like bump into your mate or like your mate comes who you know outside of work. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And they're just stood there in the corner like, what's he yeah, on about? <laughs> Literally like. Yeah. So. No, I've learned to hate the phrase, I went to a job the other day and mate, oh God, it's just, I don't want to know about it. I hear that so often as well. Yeah, I bet you get it a lot with. You do. Do people send you ECGs and you go roll your eyes, mate? Well, Joe, you know I quite like ECGs, <laughs> yeah. but um, they do. And I kind of the thing that yeah, I mean, I always, I as I say, like I think over time I've become more interested in um, like my own mentality and like the mentality of people working in emergency care and stuff and like the psychology of it. Yeah, to find it quite interesting. So I always like if people want to talk to me about job. Um, I'm always open to discussing it. Yeah. Um, if I'm at work generally um and, and this is the thing is that that's why i would never discourage people from talking about jobs and yeah you know like people you know because of the nature of my job like people in the crew room will say oh you know i went to this kind of job and stuff and you're like most of the time even if people aren't specifically saying why they're talking about it like yeah. you can pick out a reason and ultimately it's like i wasn't confident in this decision or like this the ccp said something which i disagreed with yeah um and you can kind of pick up on that yeah and um, that's like an interesting thing to discuss. Yeah. Talking shop. Oh, I had an interesting question for you. Oh yeah. So you said um, you've like recognised burnout yourself. Yeah. Do you reckon it's always recognisable? Um, or like in your experience, have you? Because I've had it before, and colleagues who have become burnt out and not recognise it themselves yeah I've seen it in colleagues before yeah. they have yeah. and I think my colleagues have seen it in me before yeah. How, I have what was that how did that happen well it's just I remember I just remember being at a DOA yeah um, and then just got myself in the right muddle with um, paperwork and getting the police on scene and then I remember just Walking out to the vehicle and then just having a cry next to yeah. quite, next to quite a senior. He, he's a guy who's been around for a long, long time. Yeah, yeah. And he was shot, and he had this he had this NQP in front of him crying after a DOA for what is going on. Yeah, yeah. And it wasn't it wasn't upset about like what I just seen. I was just yeah. upset because I caught myself in the right muddle in front of the patient and police. Yeah. Not I've done hadn't done anything like wrong other than got myself in a tears and yeah yeah suddenly i'm in a vehicle with tears streaming down my face unable to explain why i'm feeling this emotional yeah to a guy who's but and i was initially i was really embarrassed about yeah. having this like, emotional outburst but i think he showed his experience in like he just saw it and he knew just we just started driving away and then yeah got back to our base and i just sit down with him as well yeah, yeah, and he, you know, he gave me a bit of banter afterwards, but like in a friendly way that yeah. I knew that he, he he was he was there for me, and he probably recognised it. But I've seen it in colleagues as well. He they turn up to work, and um, we've left the job, we've left the patient at home or something, walked out, and they're saying, you know they're kicking the back of the ambulance because they're so frustrated that yeah we're dealing with problems that shouldn't be, we shouldn't be dealing with, and you just need to. You, you just need, you know, you need to say to them, you've been here too much. You need to yeah. take a step back. And, and I think like, that is like one of the big reflections for me. So we, 
you know, there's a lot of stress in the ambulance service, like generally speaking. Yeah. Um, and, you know, there's all these statistics about um, like mental health problems being as high as they are in the military and um, increased like self-harm and suicide and all this like um, stuff around mental health in emergency mm. services, which is... Um, for me, and, and people often attribute that to, oh, you see some awful stuff. Like, yeah. you go to dead children, you should never see that. Or, like, you yeah. see a lot of dead people and stuff. And, like, like what you just said there is really reflective of, of what, like, I think about stuff. Because, you know, my job, I go to, um, I think statistically we go to, I don't know. I think I, I worked out the other day. I've, I've been to, I've probably seen, like, over 200 dead people of, yeah. like, different ages and stuff. And that, actually doesn't really bother me at all yeah because what what is important for me i think is um that like we spoke about before like that yeah. if you can uh, facilitate a dignified death and like make the family comfortable and stuff and and it like seeing dead bodies for me isn't like that stressful thing no but what i do find and and i and so i find in, in my job where i see a lot of that stuff i'm not um i'm not proportionately more I don't have proportionate mental health, but like, I don't have any mental ill health that I'm aware of and certainly nothing significant. Yeah. Like I don't feel particularly stressed or depressed or anxious or, or, um, anything like that. But then you like a lot of colleagues in operations do, and yeah. they don't see as much or as many dead bodies, for example. But what you do find is like the general grind of like we're talking about anticipating jobs that don't happen or dealing with something you don't feel like you should be dealing with. Yeah. Or queuing in A and E for twelve hours with someone that could be your grandma, watching yeah. them like their muscles waste away and stuff. On top of like the pressure of like you constantly got to get to that job, but you're going to be late off because you're in somewhere like two hours away. Yeah, like I I personally think like all of that stuff is what builds up. Yeah, and because people don't think that is what should attribute or like contribute yeah. to mental Ill health. Yeah, it generally gets ignored. Yeah. And actually, like most people, like they go to a cardiac arrest, and you know if it's if it's run well, you, even if you don't get rusk, like you know you manage the family well and stuff, yeah. and um, o overall it's a positive kind of job. Yeah, most people like really rejuvenate by that, and you know yeah. like people generally go home happier. Yeah, with those kind of jobs, and that's kind of what I've taken from what you just said. Like the DOA, the dead body, is yeah. not the thing that is upsetting. No, it, it is like the stuff around it. Yeah, it was the losing my iPad under the patient or yeah, and, like, yeah. and embarrassing yourself that way and then suddenly I realised I've been doing too much overtime yeah yeah it was it was 100% and then I think it's I mean, always I, you must have seen some people say oh you must have seen some horrible things yeah but, like, the things so I've actually, seen actually it's not about seeing stuff it's about being paid poor money yeah, for exactly. like seeing this stuff yeah. past. and it's you know it, you must have seen some horrible things yeah my paycheck that's what yeah. classic is <laughs> exactly but um, you know, whenever I, yeah, just it's just rest, isn't it? Rest, and balance. Yeah. There's, you get you get hardly any of it, and like you see, a lot of our staff smoke. A lot of them yeah. have caffeine addictions. A lot of them um, turn up to work with a six pack of Monster Energy drinks, and they get yeah. a McDonald's because, like, that shift work. Yeah, and it's you're getting ground down through the middle and. It's not what you see necessarily, but it's yeah. how you are when you're at work. It's, it's, it can be brutal. Yeah. You know. But. Yeah, and I think, I mean, it's, it's like we were talking about before, but if you're expected to be, I think that's the other the other thing about why it is not only appropriate to treat 
work as work as like a job yeah but also um it's it's kind of um more it's like um healthier thing to do as well because if you're expecting you know like people expect you to go above and beyond because you're a selfless healthcare professional yeah if you like buy into that which is really easy to do um if you buy into it and then you become like emotionally invested yeah in oh they need overtime so i'll do it or they they need crew you know like we've gone into a major instance so they need crews to stay on for another two hours i'll do it for the greater good and stuff if you become emotionally invested in that then like you're literally taking that burden on yeah and it's like the senior managers aren't they're not the ones taking that burden on no and um and i feel like that's why it's a healthier option to treat work as work. Yeah. And if you're like, you know, I'm not, you know, if the ambulance service is in a business continuity instant, a major instant, that's not my, that's not my no. fault. Yeah. <laughs> that's, yeah. like, that's someone's fault, maybe a system fault. Yeah. But the fault is definitely not mine as an individual. And it's not my responsibility to, to bail yeah. them out of it. Yeah. And um, I feel like that's the kind of, a bit of like staying a little bit removed. It's yeah. like the healthier thing to do with that. Yeah, Absolutely. I mean, it's like things like turning your emails off when you're not at work. Yeah, right. That's such that made I, I had mine on because I was a brand new keen NQP one yeah. year in. But keep those emails away. Right? Yeah. It's just such an easy, good decision to make. Yeah. I don't want to know about the road closure in three weeks' time no, no. when I'm currently sitting in the pub. And you know as well, top tip on the side of that, have you heard of that <laughs> inbox <laughs> inbox rules? No. Oh my god. Mate. So on Outlook, yeah. you can uh, set inbox rules. So you can say like if, if an in- an email comes from a particular person or has like a particular word in the subject, <laughs> you can assign it to stuff. So like my inbox is pretty much always empty because like any compliments are automatically going to compliment folder. Doesn't happen very often. Yeah. There's a complaints folder. Don't look at them either. Um, and there's all these different folders for stuff. So if I get an email that says road closure in the title, it's automatically deleted. Um, emails from certain team leaders, automatically deleted. <laughs> <laughs> it's honestly, it's an absolute game changer. It's like clearing out your brain. Yeah, brilliant. Yeah, just need to get on that. Yeah, you need to get on that. Yeah. Nice. Cool. Well, it's been a couple of hours now. Good chat. So um, let's bring it to a close, shall we? Yeah, I'm trying to see if in my notes there's anything else that I was going to talk about nothing else I don't think was there any burning things you want to bring up whilst you're being broadcast to millions no yeah that'll do for now I think no yeah I'll ease myself in nice one well thanks for joining me mate it's been a good chat What was that? Boring. No flavor. That was as bad as those leftovers you ate all week. Kiki Palmer here. And it's time to say hello to something fresh and guilt free. Hello, Fresh. Jazz up dinner with pecan, crusted chicken, or garlic, butter, shrimp, scampi. Now that's music to my mouth. Hello, Fresh. Let's get this dinner party started. Discover all the delicious possibilities at HelloFresh.com. When you make decisions for your company, you look for the no-brainers. And if you have a lot of mailing to do, Stamps.com is the ultimate no-brainer. It streamlines your processes to make your business more efficient, which makes you less busy. Mail checks, invoices, legal documents, and everything you need to keep your business running with Stamps.com. Seamlessly connect with every major marketplace and shopping cart. 
Schedule package pickups and see your cheapest and fastest shipping options from different carriers. With rates up to 89% off USPS and UPS rates. And with the Stamps.com mobile app, you can take care of mailing and shipping wherever you are. Make the same no-brainer decision as over 1 million other businesses with Stamps.com. Sign up with code PROGRAM for a four-week trial, plus free postage and a free digital scale. No long-term commitments or contracts. That's stamps.com. Code program.